0: Welcome to the Fem Nation podcast, where we wholeheartedly believe women entrepreneurs can rise together. Success comes in many flavors. There are no secret strategies. Women entrepreneurs are rewriting history by defining success on their own terms. Hi, I'm White of the down to earth chick with a different name entrepreneur and founder of the Female Entrepreneur Movement, our business is dedicated to helping women start and grow their businesses, increasing financial independence. Each week, join me for inspiring stories and powerful interviews of women entrepreneurs sharing their lessons to success to help you take your business to the next level. Now, let's go for it. Welcome back to the Foundation Podcast. Today, I have the lovely Brandy Johnson. She's the Brandy behind Hey Brandy and the author of Minimal Viable Marketing. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me, White Dev. I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to have a conversation with you and dive more into who you are as an entrepreneur. So let me ask you the number one question.
1: How did your entrepreneurial journey begin? Well, it's crazy. I would say it actually started way back when I was in college, as a matter of fact, because um, I went into marketing because I had this grand idea of helping people. I started as a biochem a biochem major um, because I wanted to do genetic counseling and gene therapy. And that was in 1999. So that was an unheard of thing back in those days. Decided I didn't want to spend 15 years in a lab before I was able to start helping people. So then instead, I moved over to doing marketing with this idea of helping people. Um, Of course, like most people, when they get out of college, they get a job, which I did at... um, B2B publishing company. But right away on the side, I started trying to figure out how I could still help small businesses with their marketing. So I started doing um, little side projects here and there, helping people do stuff. So I would like to think that I started this entrepreneurial journey probably back in 2005, 2006, when I started doing those little freelance pieces because that was what I was passionate about. But then in 2007, when I was expecting my daughter, I had the opportunity to move out of my corporate role um, where I was VP of marketing for an international software company and instead do um, some freelance work for them and go out on my own. And so in 2017, when my daughter was born, I got to have the best of both worlds where I got to start helping more people with their marketing on an independent basis and have time at home with my daughter.
0: Which is the ultimate goal, obviously, when you have littles, you yep. want to spend the time with them, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been and it's been wonderful because not only do I get to be here for her, you know, all of those kind of things, but I still get to um, pursue that passion and, and still embrace that piece of me that is professional and forward thinking and growth oriented and all of those kind of things. I didn't have to trade one for the other. So you can maintain an identity as well without
0: losing the identity in the life that you were, you had created for yourself and your daughter, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't say there wasn't an adjustment period in there. For sure. um, From going from go, 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 go to, oh no, I only got an hour of work time today before 8pm because she only took a, an hour nap. That was definitely a big adjustment for a borderline workaholic like I used to be. Mm-hmm. But it's great because like you said, I didn't lose that sense of identity.
0: What came up and how did you deal with um, working less though? Like you're saying that the transition of only getting an hour's worth of work in, in a day, how did you deal with not feeling overwhelmed that you're getting massively behind?
1: Um I it really took a lot of reframing my expectations of myself and my business and really having some really open conversations also with my husband about what that meant for our family. Mm. Um and and looking at the energy that I'm putting into the time with our daughter that I would never get back. The business is great where it is and it'll get bigger and better As time goes on, and she'll get bigger and better as time goes on. But these precious times when she actually wants to snuggle, they're not going to be here. And so I think really taking a step back and looking at that bigger picture um, and learning to put myself together as a whole person and not these two siloed people Mm. where here I'm mom and here I'm business. Um, was a big part of it. And then I also adjusted my business model as well. So I do a lot less done for you work, and do a lot more info products and coaching that I can do asynchronously. So the clients I work with know that in the middle of a Voxer plan, they may hear a little one pulling on my pant like, mom, 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 I made you tea. <laughs> um, and that, and I've, I've built that into my business too. So if somebody doesn't, that doesn't jive with someone, then I'm probably not the right person to work with them. And that's okay. Cause there's lots of people who don't have that, but there's mm-hmm. lots of people who also support that whole person type of business, which is what I always wanted to create. And the kind of people I always wanted to work with.
0: I think, and I do believe that that's being much more embraced as we move along, um, in this very, uh, newfounded era in business. In entrepreneurship, that that's becoming more more of a desire to be whole as the whole person instead of the two siloed pieces, like you were saying. How do you define
1: success? Um, So for me, my success in um, in my business is honestly being able to help as many people as I can at a given time achieve their marketing goals through simplification and implementation of strategy. and so it's I don't have a set number because again, I need that flow at this season of my life. I don't say I need to have five thousand people in my course or a hundred thousand people on my email list. It's being able to help as many as I can um, so that's that's kind of my definition of success in my business is making sure that I'm taking those steps to be able to to help the, that many people and the other thing. Again, thinking about the whole person mm-hmm. co- component, um, success is at the end of the day feeling like I was there for every piece of myself, so being there for myself as a mother, being there for myself as a business owner, and being there for myself as myself, so taking that fifteen minutes at the end of the night to read a book <laughs> or um, take a bubble bath or whatever that is, making sure and so then each day is a success and you have more success check marks than missing check marks and that's how it all works out That's a good day that's a good day So how did you learn
0: to um, embrace it this way because I, I've interviewed a lot of a lot of women and that still is a struggle for some that they they don't give themselves the grace to be able to be human not not having to check off all the boxes of of completion for the day or self-awareness for the day or materializing what their version of success means is to get a b c d e and you know f done whereas it's okay if you have a couple of those outlined but you gave it all of yourself you how did you how did you come to the, to
1: know that um a lot of tears <laughs> A lot of those days of feeling incomplete and um, like I was failing at everything, I still certainly have those days. I had, what, about four days ago <laughs> where I just felt like I can't do anything right. Um, but a couple of things that I found that really helped me was I really, um, as love it or hate it, I started doing a lot more gratitude journaling, and making sure that I ever at the end of each day, I came up with three good moments, the three things that I could be grateful for. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I found by doing that really consistently is that the things that I was grateful for, were not the check marks on the to do list. Mm, Oh, wow they were so often like those passing fleeting conversations or moments that I got to have by accepting the flow of my days. And sometimes they were like, I completed this great project, or I signed this amazing client. But if I looked at my days as a as a series, and as my week or a month as a whole, those, that's where the gratitude, that's what I was most grateful for. And so then Being able to pivot that and look at that and bring that back into myself and say, the moments that are most important to you are not the things on the to-do list. So why are you killing yourself over the to-do list? Why are you beating yourself up? Because there's a dirty pan in the sink before you go to bed when you got to have these amazing moments that are making your life. And that... I think tracking that and looking back at that really made a significant difference for me.
0: What would be one step towards aware being aware of that that you could tell the listeners?
1: Honestly, every night, spend five minutes and write down three things that day that you were grateful for. And in the beginning, it's gonna feel really silly. Um, and some days you will have days where you're like, today I am grateful but the house is still standing. <laughs> like, <laughs> sometimes you will have those days, but as you stick with it, and then over time you go back and you start looking at those kind of things, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll start to see those patterns emerge. Um, it becomes so much easier to do some of the bigger picture self-work that uh, so many life coaches talk about and so many of our health, self-help books talk about. Find your core value, write your mission statement all of those kind of things but for me at least it really started with identifying those things that i was grateful for mm-hmm. um and that's the easy thing you can buy a 50 cent notebook at target and whatever writing utensil you have around to do it um the other thing i i have read that the fi- if you handwrite things mm-hmm. um It sticks in your brain better and your brain learns that the things that you're handwriting are important because you can't be multitasking when you're handwriting. Mm -hmm. So don't just type them into your phone, actually get that little notebook and write them down and keep them someplace where you can look back at them. That's
0: huge. Yes. I always
1: knew writing was better. I
0: didn't know specifically why, but that tied it in for me. Um, how, How have you experienced imposter syndrome?
1: Oh my goodness. So <laughs> um so many different ways. I'm out, I've always been the kind of person that has I you know measured success by the people that I'm helping. And so going into particularly going into this space where I am teaching and not doing um has really made it hard for me to step back and say, yeah, I do know what I'm talking about, because it's so easy for me to go and do and implement and prove it that way. Um, But it it was really a struggle for me to to shift to that. And the other thing that was really hard for me is particularly in my niche, because I focus on marketing. Mm -hmm. There is so much noise in this space. And there are so many people who have been doing the the entrepreneurship marketing, um, and the info products later, I mean, I had to unsubscribe. I had to like, not follow those people that you would honestly often see as like inspiration. I don't follow Amy Porterfield anymore. I used to, and she's great and she has great things. But then I was setting these unrealistic expectations for myself. Like well, I'm not going to be Amy Porterfield. I don't have, and that, that's not what I'm striving for either. Right. But I would experience that because I felt like that's what the world felt like I needed to be. If I was teaching marketing to people, then that was the world I needed to play in.
0: Right. Projecting what your perceived version of success was through their eyes. Right. So you wrote a book. I did. I have a marketing. Tell me about that.
1: Um, so one of the things that I identified in all of the freelance work I was doing and honestly, in a lot of the corporate work I was doing too, is a lot of people with their marketing use the the spaghetti approach. And what I mean by that is they grab that handful of all the things that they're seeing other people do and they throw them throw globs of it at the wall and see what sticks. Yes. And they throw the glob and everything falls down. And then they give up and they move to the next glob of spaghetti. (laughs) And they don't stick with things long enough to see if they're actually going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're not tying all those pieces together. They're just throwing things out there. So um, when I took a step back, I found that with a lot of that marketing too, we were making ourselves busy, but we weren't necessarily making ourselves more visible or more productive. Mm -hmm. And so I took all of the experience that I had from corporate and my freelance work to create the minimum viable marketing framework. And essentially what the framework allows any business owner to do is to really focus their marketing efforts and measure the results of those. And so that they can build those habits of consistency. They've built a home base. They know what they're doing. And build, again, that really solid marketing foundation. And then they can add on to it. It's not something where you can't play more or like, you know, have that fun of throwing the spaghetti, but you have that foundation established. So the framework is essentially making sure that you have a website and an email list set up, people that people can come to, they can sign up to join your email list, you're communicating with them regularly. And then two amplification channels. So whether that be Facebook and Instagram or Google ads and a podcast, whatever that combination is, because it's going to be different for each person and each business, but you only really focus on two things to start with. Mm -hmm. Um, As opposed to this, you have to be on every platform. If you're not pinning your business is dead in the water, what do you mean you're not doing Instagram stories? Hey, have you hopped on TikTok yet? Because that just, you know, and it makes you, as a business owner, feel like you're never gonna get marketing, and it's so hard when really one of the big keys to successful marketing is consistency mm-hmm. so that's um and I wrote the book because I wanted it to be really accessible for people, no matter where they were in their business or in their lives, to be able to access that and understand that and have a framework that they could work with that they don't have to talk to me, they don't have to spend. You know, the $300 on the course or whatever. If you're an ebook reader, it's like under $5 because I wanted to be able to share it with as many people as I could.
0: Right. Tell me about the journey of um, writing the book. How does that parallel your entrepreneurial journey?
1: So, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I thought, okay, I'm just going to do marketing consulting for for a few companies. I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing and that's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden I had like a six month old mm-hmm. who was crawling and only napping like once a day. So like newborn days, I was like, I got this. Mm-hmm. Like I had a little rock and play thing next to my desk. We were good. <laughs> right. And then childhood started <laughs> And I was started looking around and saying, man, I don't know if I like, I don't have the time to do this. And then I, I along the same times, I was getting more and more involved in entrepreneur communities online um, and listening and reading people's struggles there. Cause I was looking for my sense of community as well. And I was reading these people's struggles and you know, I would see the same person post. And this week, I'm looking for Instagram tips. And this week, I'm looking for Facebook tips. And so I combined all of that. I don't have time to do marketing for all these people with seeing all these people who needed the help Mm -hmm. and said, I've always wanted to write a book, I had already decided on the title of the book before my daughter was born. So I said, this is the time to do it. So I put pretty much everything else on hiatus, um, and spent all my work time, nights, weekends, nap times, anytime I could get my husband or my mom to hang out with the little one. And, um, I wrote the book. I think I spent about two months writing and then another month and a half editing and designing and laying out, um, I hired an editor and a designer, and so I think I really kind of said, "I'm doing this in October, and I published the book in January. Mm. so
0: what's been the fulfilling part of writing that book or publishing that book? I should say what 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 was it like once you got that all done, and was there a kind of a void where that project had taken up space?
1: So I'm a big, big idea person, so there is never a void for me. Um like this morning I created like this whole new concept of things that I want to do. And I'm like, okay, I got to get this done. So there was never a void mm-hmm. from having done this. Um, and once the book is written and published, it's so much, it reminds me a lot of actually having a baby. Um, because writing and publishing the book is only the first step. Then it's actually getting it into the hands of the readers. Because I went the self-publishing route. I worked in publishing. I knew I didn't want to wait a year and a half to 2 years mm-hmm. to have this out and be pitching it to people and all those kind of things. I just went through and did it myself. Um and I think the most fulfilling thing about it has been seeing some of the reviews come in. Um you know, the reviews that say like somebody wrote to me and said like this is the best marketing book I've ever read. I run a tech company and I go to the conferences and nobody made it simple the way that you did. Nice. Um, and so hearing that has been the most fulfilling part because that's why I did it. Mm-hmm. And if, if I can help five people with that, 10 people with that, then it's done its job. And, that, yeah. and I've done my job. Right. So
0: let me, let me rephrase this. If somebody wants to step into writing a book mm-hmm. and if somebody wants to pursue what that looks like, what are the first steps that you would encourage them to take in that route, having never published a book before them, not you.
1: Right. So, um, two things, one I would really encourage someone to think about the role that the book plays in their long-term goals. Um, because writing a book and writing, um, like my book is, I don't know, 239 pages. So writing a substantial book is not a small undertaking. And so you it, you want it to be something that you're committed to. Um, so that's the first thing I would really think about is where does this fit in the overall, the the goals and the vision that I have for my business or for my life? Why do I want to create this piece? Because like I said, it's a big undertaking. And unless, unless you're a graphic designer and feel like learning all that stuff yourself too, it's not cheap (laughs) um, to do all of those things. So you're going to have a time investment and you're going to have a financial investment in it. So that would be the first, um, the first thing. And once you're sure that you're committed, um, I would really start with just writing down and getting all the ideas out of your head. um, To start creating your structure. What are the goals? What do you want people to walk away from your book with? How do you want them to feel when they're done reading it? That goes for fiction or nonfiction, Um, how you want people to feel. And then I actually used probably a thousand post-it notes to organize the structure of the book so that I could um, arrange and rearrange and do get on Zoom calls and hold the phone over the giant thing and walk people through it so that so that the structure was making sense. Um, and I did all of that before I wrote a single word mm. because for me that way I could skip around in the book to the places that I was feeling excited about at the time. So I wrote um, I wrote some of the measurement stuff before I wrote some of the ideal customer profile stuff, which ideal customer profiles, like chapter four, measurements like chapter 24. Mm. But because I had that structure and that layout, I knew how things were all going to fit together. I could pick and choose the order in which I was writing, um, based on what, where I was with, Client work, or what I was doing, or where I was inspired, and that made it much, much easier for me to stay on track because it gave me a sense of flexibility than if I felt like I had to start at page one and write to page two hundred and thirty eight. So, tell me this then on
0: on your book and your entrepreneurial journey. How how what were the strengths that you leaned on, and how did you get through times that were difficult? That you just didn't feel like you wanted to. You're just like, I'm not doing this today. I'm not feeling it. Being able to be fluid in that journey of where you wrote in the book and how you pick the spots. I mean, that's very, very neat. I've interviewed a few authors and I've not heard that. That's very <laughs> cool. But how did you? How would you lean on your own strengths to continue to move forward when there were just times that you didn't feel like it?
1: So um, I reframed work as and i get to do this as opposed to and i have to do this um i made the choice to be an entrepreneur i could have had my daughter i could have gone back to my and she could be with a nanny or in daycare and there's and that, that would have been a fine choice but i made this choice mm-hmm. and so um it took a little while I mean, I I don't want anybody to have the impression that I'm magic and I waved a magic wand and all of a sudden I had all this enlightenment. But I started reframing it and saying, like, I get to work on this now. Um, As opposed to like, oh, crap, I got to go sit at the desk. Instead, it was more I get to do this and this is how it aligns and this is how um, I'm going to feel when it's done. And that that really, really helped me a lot. Remove the drudgery from it. And I also gave myself grace. Mm -hmm. If there was a day that was just one of those days, I didn't force myself to do it because I had my own timeline. But I think really that strength of being able to flip that and also know that, like, I chose a business that I was excited about and I was passionate about, and I was going to learn this stuff whether or not I had this business. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm never. I'm never going to stop learning about marketing. I think it's fascinating. Like I still read the marketing books. I still read like the high end, crazy corporate marketing newsletters (laughs) and all this kind of stuff. And I knew I was going to keep doing that. So looking at this and saying like, I'm excited about this and I, I want to learn it. Um, really helped help me stay focused. But again, saying, I get to do this instead of I have to do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is big, because I think sometimes people lose perspective. Uh, entrepreneurs lose perspective on the fact that um, they're thinking of their entrepreneurial journey as a job instead of thinking of it as a choice that they made, like you just framed, which is vital. That's vital. Um, what would you tell your early entrepreneur self that you know now? that you didn't know back then.
1: Um the first thing I would tell myself is to get the bleep off Facebook groups. (laughs) 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 Because I had this, um we've all heard like, oh, your network is how you, you know, how you're gonna make your business successful and things like that. And I wasted so much time on those facebook like collaboration threads and i'm looking for's and like going in and giving free advice i wasn't in a position where that was what my business needed um you know and i didn't get a lot out of it now certainly through doing that i i ended up meeting some great people i mean some of my best business friends came from doing that but I needed to be a lot more selective in how I was doing it. And, um, but I think the other thing that I was going through at that stage, I was a new, like I went from, like I said, big corporate jobs, traveling, to being a stay-at-home mom with a newborn. Mm -hmm. I was lonely. I mean, I, I was used to being a head honcho and then I'm like sitting with my, you know, little one. Type it away on my little keyboard at two o'clock in the morning between feedings. Like I was lonely, so I, I leaned on them and spent more time there than I should have, and I slowed myself down um, in that way. So what you're saying is that
0: those those collaboration posts or those you know I need posts, uh, which are very common, mm-hmm. they are still common, and um, you know this might ruffle a few feathers, but the groups are still being you know, being taught as a viable way to grow a business. But, so you're saying that those are not actually sustainable business building opportunities.
1: No, I mean, like, I don't think that they are. I think they're a nice to have. If you're waiting in the carpool line and you happen to see one, copy and paste your little thing in there and move on. But don't spend a lot of time on those kind of things because, that's what everybody's doing. You Mm -hmm. know, you look, and what's really interesting is if you look in some of the big groups, there might be 800 comments Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on one of those posts. I mean, I'm in a group that's like over 40,000 people now. They do a collaboration post and there are 800 to a thousand comments on that. You're going to get buried Mm -hmm. in that. And if you have like most of us do, really limited time to spend on your business, like you're going to drop and run, which is what everybody else is doing. So you're much, Mm -hmm. much better off if to spend that time more strategically and, you know, identify ways to build your own audience. Go in and find people in the group who are asking questions that you can answer or reach out to or do coffee chats with or join a smaller, more intimate group. But you have this perspective. I mean, I did. I was like, oh my goodness, there's 40,000 people in here and they have a collaboration day. I'm gonna rock this. <laughs> and then I would like wait with bated breath. And then it would be like, so-and-so commented on the post. And I'd go and I'd look at it. was They just dropped their own. Right. That wasn't about me. and that's And that's where the time waste comes in. Um, and really uh, also aligning your expectations for what you're going to get out of it. It doesn't hurt you. Right. If you have the time to do it, but you can't expect that doing that is going to build your business for you, I guess. And you said something very
0: interesting there. You said that it was about you, you dropped it and it, and And that is one of the number one things that people have to, entrepreneurs need to get out of their own way is making it about them. It can't be about them. And so that's not serving. So yes, people can collaborate and they can come up with some great things on those. And that's not anything of what this is saying. But as I'm listening to you talk about this specific piece of entrepreneurship, including the online component of it, There has been a shift towards it being about the people, how you serve, how you give, and where you um, help lift others up instead of the alternative, which is very eye centric. And it's about, look at me, this is what I do. You know, I think there's a big lesson to be learned in that and how we approach the online world and how we actually grow a business in the online space because that it's not easy, it is noisy. And, and you do have a noisy area, um, with marketing, but it's not, again, it's not about you. It's about the people out there and the ones that you serve. And that's what attracts people to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so often, like I said, on those collaboration posts and some of those kind of those big, um, like link vomit paint posts mm-hmm, i guess mm-hmm. it's kind of how to think about it like how are you helping and how are you serving and how how are you contributing and i think of like the question that i have to ask myself and i ask myself regularly when it comes to these kind of things is okay um i'm contributing but am i contributing to the value or am i contributing to the noise Ooh. And that's a really um, good, good question for me to ask myself when I'm going to answer a question or I'm like, ah, I got 10 minutes. I can hang out on Facebook, ask myself like what my goal is going on there.
0: That's awesome. How are you, if, uh, how are you contributing either to value or to the noise? Yes. Point made. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Tell me how the entrepreneurial journey has changed you as a person.
1: Um, So I definitely think like I was talking about earlier, I am much more in tune with who I am as a full person now, as opposed to um, having these silos of... I. Now I am at work and therefore I am at work. Now I am at home. Now I am who I am at home. I'm a much more blended individual now. Um, And so that's given me a lot more insight into who I am now and who I want to evolve and grow and become. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I had stayed in my nine to five role because I would have had my nine to five role silo and I would have had my at home mom, wife, homemaker, crafter, blah blah blah. Yeah.
0: Um
1: and I wouldn't have been forced to figure out how to make all those pieces work together to the degree that I have now, um especially because I again have made the choice that I don't have my daughter in daycare and I don't have a nanny. Um I respect everybody's choices in that. This is the choice that my family made, but it added that stress and it means that I had to figure that out. Um, and how do I integrate all those pieces? If somebody else's nap time gets interrupted after an hour, they don't even know <laughs> until they pick their child up. For right. me, I was like, oh man. Um, so I, it really helped me learn and grow um by by doing this journey and learn a lot more about myself in that way.
0: That's fantastic. Having raised my kids in tandem with building businesses. I remember there was a point where I would have them on the four-wheeler with me going out to the farm animals. And they just rode along with me, even if they were in their onesie, <laughs> but <laughs> fond memories actually going out to see the, the hogs or the chickens. That was a whole different life ago. But, um, <laughs> uh, so tell me where can the audience find you? How can they connect with you and continue the conversation?
1: Yeah, so um I blog and as we mentioned in the beginning, um my website is Hey Brandy. So it's H E Y Brandy B R A N D I. Um because I want people to be able to think of me as a trusted friend when they want to talk about their marketing. Um so over on heybrandy.com, there's a link in the uh navigation to grab my one-page marketing plan. Because again, I am all about making it simple, easy, strategic. Don't spend all day on your marketing. Get your marketing done and get out. Um, All the other big links are on there. But the easy one to remember is just heybrandy.com. That's awesome. What's the future look like for you? Oh, goodness. I got at least another book or two that I want to write. I recently launched a course, actually two courses, um, but they're bundled as well, um, about how to build your marketing foundation. So your website and your email list. And um, I got a couple other little goodies at my sleeve that are not quite ready for public consumption, but they will be out there hopefully by the first of the year. So Exciting. Yeah. Exciting. I, like I said, I have an idea person. I never stop building. So, um, it's a good thing. I picked entrepreneurship and an area where I'll never run out of things to build. The sky is the, truly the limit for you. <laughs> as long as they create, keep creating new marketing platforms. It is. Yes, I want to thank you for coming on today, Brandy. It's been
0: awesome to have this conversation with you and hear really some neat perspective on the current landscape of entrepreneurship for sure. So yeah, thank you. absolutely. And well, thanks so much for having me. It's been really fun. You bet. And guys definitely check out the stuff because I guarantee you, you need marketing. And Hey Brandy is very easy to remember. Such a good, <laughs> such a good business name right there. It sticks. And it's it almost is like a marketer came up with it. <laughs> I know. Go figure. Your marketer was awesome. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun though. It's, it's, it's really embodies that friendly, um, atmosphere that you bring to your work. So thank you for coming on today and guys definitely check it out. Please, please, please see what Brandy's up to. And if it intrigues you at all, you stick around to hear what she's up to next year. Cause I'm sure we'll have to dish on that later until the next episode. Keep moving forward. Thanks for listening to the Fem Nation podcast. Be sure to check out our show notes for more details from the episode. If you love the show, share it with a friend or drop me a note. I'd love to hear from you over at whiteupdannen.com or find me on social media. Until next time, keep moving forward.